0: I'm Shannon. And I'm Sierra. And we've been best friends for the past eight eight years. years. Has this ever happened to you? Some well intended individual inquires. How are you? But instead of being your sounding board, they end up just sounding sounding board.
1: board. Well, we're here to lend an ear as our guests unpack
0: their hopes and fears. So come join us in a space where vulnerability is strength and humor is healing. While we genuinely inquire, how how are you feeling? feeling? And what's been storming your brain? What's storming your brain? What's
1: been storming your brain? What's consuming your, your brain? What has been storming, your... what's been storming your What's been storming your brain? Brainstorming the podcast.
0: Hi Shannon. Hi Sierra. How's it going? It's going well. It's going. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to share a little something, something with you if you don't mind lending an ear. I would love to listen. Please. You can't really. We're in headphones, so it's hard to lend that ear. I'll try my best. Thank you. I was on my lunch break at work the other day and I was on the gram and I popped onto this live, you know, feed. No, it's not a feed, but a live chat that uh, this one Instagram astrologer I follow, his name's Colin Bedell. Uh, he's an author, he's an astrologer, he's a Gemini twin from Long Island. So he's a hoot of a man, and I love how he talks about astrology and intertwines it with you know, self-work and all of that beautiful stuff. And he was talking with this woman, and I do not know her name because I popped on for maybe five minutes, but it, it pulled me right in, and she was sharing an excerpt from Brene, Brene Brown? Brene Brown's book "Braving the Wilderness," which I have not read, um, which I will now <laughs> having heard this excerpt. Uh, but she was speaking about there, there that there are these four elements of true belonging, and how it is a daily practice because these things can feel like a paradox. What is feeling like you truly belong? And we actually spoke about it earlier uh, when you were speaking about that knowing, that intuition, that that thing that you have that no one else, that compass, that moral compass that you have that no one else has. She speaks about how these two things can be considered a paradox because they're happening simultaneously and are in conflict. But basically her four elements of true belonging are as follows. People are hard to hate up close. Move in. Speak truth to bullshit. Be civil. Hold hands with strangers. Strong back, Soft front, wild heart. The one that drew me in was people are hard to hate up close, move in. And as someone who works in customer service, I'm constantly dealing with first impressions of people right off the bat. I'm dealing with primarily men in my industry. I work at a barbershop and I'm dealing, we spoke about this as well, being a young woman in a place of a position, a managerial position, and having to have that strong back, soft front, I'm still warm and welcome and open to people, but I still need to establish boundaries, which we've also spoken about. But it's so easy for me as a defense and as a cancer, I want to go into that shell to see people from a distance because it's easier. But the second that I move in, it's hard to hate fully hate somebody. Sure, you can find them annoying. Sure, there can be irritants about them. But to hate somebody up close is near impossible. Of course, right now we're social distancing. We're six feet apart. But it made me just coming back for my lunch, be able to reframe how I interact with my coworkers in that one-on-one, how I interact with clients coming into the space in that one-on-one and taking them in where they're at trying as hard as I can not to take it personally. Uh, And like she speaks about, speaking truth to bullshit if something is bothering you in the space, but it can still be done in a civil way. And I came across that a lot in this past week, dealing with my coworkers, having a few disagreements with some of the barbers and having to, like I said, strong back, soft front, come to them with compassion and empathy, but still established that I cannot be spoken over or that I am in any way not to be undermined in this dynamic, even though in their eyes and with the patriarchy, I am not to be trusted in some capacity because I'm a young woman. Um, so that was, and it goes back to that hold hands with strangers. It's so easy to stay around people that are like-minded, that's comfortable, but you're, like we've said, you're not going to get out of that. You're not going to find real growth until you take that one step out of your comfort zone. Move in. Examine a little bit closer that everyone is just doing their best in that moment. And easier said than done, of course. Again, like she says, it's a practice. It's something to be aware of and to check back in with. But especially in a time when we are so politically divided, Uh, financially divided in a lot of situations most situations it's so easy to just go hate I hate that side I can't identify with that way of thinking especially with what we found out today with the indictment it's so easy and I'm not saying we're gonna move on in and get a closer look at Donald Trump but I'm saying for folks who have a different way of thinking it's so easy to isolate and just decide not to engage with their opinions um, and to deem them. I'm so, I'm so quick to go, ah, he's just an old white man. And sometimes that is true. But when I move in close to them, I, they're still. I, then you see the humanity. So yeah, that, that really struck me. And now I want to read the rest of her book. What's her book called? Braving the Wilderness. Uh, it was in 2017. Um, Brene Brown is most known for her TED Talk, um, The Power of Vulnerability, I want to say it's called. Is that I correct? think so. But she's writing it during a time when she's living in Houston, and they had just had Hurricane Harvey, which was in 2017, August, end of August, early September. And she spoke about how when the hurricane hit, the people who were coming to help them weren't going, hi, can I help you? Who did you vote for in 2016? They were just there to help. And so in those times of crises, that division, it dissipates because that's you move in, you move in and you can't help but work from a place of empathy in trying times. And we are indeed in trying times. So I just wanted to share that. And as a nice, gentle reminder of If you're in a place or a a spiral or a cycle, which I often get into of irritability and everything is an irritant and sometimes that's because I forgot to take my antidepressant that day or I I didn't get enough sleep or whatever those factors are, trying my best to come into any new reaction, sorry, any new interaction or relation with another person from a place of neutrality as much as possible. I don't know. What do you think?
1: I really love that. I find that incredibly relevant to the experience of living in New York City where we're constantly I mean of course we're in a pandemic like you said six feet apart right now but we take public transit everywhere and we have no choice but to be surrounded by strangers and I can't tell you how many times I've been having a shitty fucking day I make assumptions about everybody I don't want to talk to anybody but more often than not when that happens, some stranger does some kind gesture and it makes me take a step back to go, we're all just living our lives. My mother used to say when I was little, you never know what is happening behind closed doors. You never know what is happening in someone else's life. So it's really important to approach everybody as much as you can with a sense of empathy and kindness as much as you can and yeah again it's very challenging it's so challenging in this city and and anywhere else but I I really love that um
0: yeah absolutely and as someone you know you've worked in a lot of customer service but uh, jobs as well and you're soon to be re-entering the workforce where there are more irritants and irritabilities and triggers if you want to use that word uh so yeah it's a nice little touchstone that's all but thanks for listening thank you for sharing is there anything else you want to add about that no I feel I feel heard uh but I guess an add-on is we talk about that in our opening of vulnerability being strength and so often people interpret kindness and empathy. I find this at work. They <laughs> interpret that like it's a weakness of mine, mm. like I'm too, I'm not it's a naivete. And I, I find that's the opposite. I find that it is actually a a broader understanding, like we talked about, that emotional intelligence of being able to choose in as many situations as you can to lead with empathy and kindness. Rather than defensiveness. I think defensiveness in, in a lot of ways is a weakness. Mm. Um, it takes more courage to lead with kindness and empathy than it does to
1: just listen to our instincts when someone does or says something that hurts us and to go,
0: I hate them, they suck. Absolutely. And it goes back to that trusting yourself. And if you don't feel like you're in a good place, it's hard to extend that same kindness and trust if you're not extending it to yourself. How could you imagine extending that to a stranger? It's it's hard. It's absolutely. difficult.
1: So, yeah. Well, Thank you for sharing, Shannon. I
0: really, really enjoyed that. I'll have to go check out that book. Yes, absolutely. Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And Colin Bedell, he's on Instagram as Queer Cosmos, at Queer Cosmos. He's wonderful. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he's also an author and an activist. And I just love that he ties in it's very applicable astrology uh which i feel is often the 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 deal breaker for a lot of people with astrology they just think like yeah it's not it's not real world i can't take that and uh they just feel like it's they they default to it's just horoscopes but he really he really does his his work he really knows his shit so yeah you've shared him with out. me before yeah. i i
1: i really like Following him. He yeah. says some wonderful things. Cool. Thanks, Shannon.
0: Wow, wow, wow. What a treat we have today. I'm really excited. Uh i start off with a strong uh. <laughs> I'm really excited about this one. This Me is our too. second little episode of this project that we're working on. And we have on one of literally my my oldest, my el my my most elderly friend. No, is, you know How people- old is he? Like 80 85 I think he's uh, between 80 and 85 yes 82 and a half (laughs) he's 82 and a half years old Mm -hmm. he's he looks good for his age um no you know when people say (laughs) my most my oldest friend I always think like (laughs) they're just old um anyway so he's my I've known him for the longest time uh and those times are 18 years now 18 years I've known this person he's going to be anonymous until I say his name till the last second. But known for 18 years we met in elementary school, third grade. I had transferred to a new elementary school as the new chubby kid on the block. And uh this individual was already at that school, had been there since kindergarten, um, rocking it, waiting for my arrival. I can only assume. Uh, but we we became good friends and our our friendship. As friendships do strengthened over the last 18 years and now we live on different coasts, but I still consider him one of my best friends Aww. and his name is Ryan Vasquez and he's here with us today via zoom. Hi Ryan. Hi Ryan. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you did a really good job of um, holding your your laughter yeah.
2: I had to um, mute myself. So that my laughter wouldn't permeate through the radio waves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> From coast to coast. Wow. You sound good for 82 and a half. How are you feeling today? How are your bones?
2: Um, creaky yet sturdy.
0: <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. What did I say? A strong old. No, we, we met in 2003, right?
2: I want to say it was 2002 because it was the, be- right? We graduated each year. Mm-hmm. Third grade was 2003, and then fourth grade was 2004, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: We're very lucky to be have lined up in that way. Yes, yeah. I'm I'm the same age as you
1: guys, it was the same for me as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, 80, 82, 82 and a half, half. 82 and a half years old.
1: Yeah, freaky bones. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think it's the name. Yes. yes, 2002, third grade. Were we in the? I don't, were we in the same class from the get go?
2: No, you had Miss. Are we allowed to say names? I on think this? so,
0: probably. I want to name drop her because she's she's got a lot of followers. Yeah, Mrs. McLeod.
2: Kylie McLeod. <laughs> I had Paulette Arniak.
0: <laughs> First name. This <Yes>. is <laughs> Yes, that's right. That's right. So we were uh, Bishop's Peak. Bishop's Peak Bobcats. <gasps> mm-hmm. I've hiked Bishop's Peak mountain range. Did which way did you go up? Did you go up the Don't steeper, remember. or did you go? Don't remember. Was there a bit of
2: like rock climbing to do or was it kind of like do do there were some cows?
0: <laughs> cows. Actually, I do remember cows. Felman's <laughs> loop. Yeah. Felman's loop. Yeah. And that leads us to our first question. What's your favorite loop? And he has answered it. Felman's loop. Fruit loops. <laughs> is my answer. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Thanks, shannon <laughs> Yeah. I love like a, a belt loop.
2: Classic. I love a strong instance on a loop ah. so that you can do a little bit of this. We're dancing for those <laughs> of you listening on the, on the ears,
0: on the ears, those <laughs> listening on the ears. He's dancing on the elbows. Uh, yeah. So we spent all of sweet little elementary school together. We spent all of sweet little middle school together, all of high school together. And then we parted ways. And Ryan, you moved to San Francisco right after graduation, right? Pretty much.
2: I moved to San Francisco. You moved to Santa Maria. (laughs) But though I do want to highlight, though, a a quick high school tidbit. Sure. Um, Shannon and I went to the prom together. (gasps) And one Shannon Peters was prom queen.
0: I did win prom queen. I wanted to. Oh, I wanted to wait a few more episodes before I
1: <sighs> dive right in.
0: But I am wearing my tiara, so
1: she oh. wears it every day. What did you do after after high school? You moved to San Francisco, and what was that like for you?
2: It was liberating, as wow. cliche as that is. But like the small town to big city thing, you both know is such a real, cool thing, and it's too- empowering. Exactly. Yeah, it was empowering, it was educational. And um yeah, I love it.
0: How has your you know, however you want to say it, love or appreciation of San Francisco changed having now lived through it in a pandemic? Your opinion oh. of it? Yes or yes. Your relation to it? Did you at any point go, I don't want to be here anymore, specifically in San Fran?
2: Yeah. Um, So I live in a very quiet, sweet, foggy um, portion of San Francisco way out west far from downtown um, called the Outer Richmond and it is you know residential and there's trees everywhere and it's wonderful and even like just staying at home for the past 11 months I would not have it any other way. And it's like strengthened my love for this little area.
0: Mm. Um, I feel similarly. Yeah, I feel similarly. Yeah, I definitely reaffirmed that I love living here, even under the most, as they say, unprecedented circumstances. mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And you had it, New York had it, you know, it was it. It
0: was a hot spot. So talk me through a bit we talked about this a little bit before uh coming on here but in terms of what you you have called your your life path so what brought you to san francisco how has your time in san francisco changed you know what what are you doing there now and uh how how do you feel what's been storming your brain
2: (laughs) ha ha brainstorming (laughs) Uh um with sierra and shannon (laughs) Um, I came to San Francisco in 2012 to go to theater school, acting school. It was like a hybrid um, theater and film program. And at the time it was what I wanted to do with my life and, um, and to be fair, like I did not do well in high school because, um, all of my time went to rehearsals and shows, and I wanted nothing else to do with anything else. So my um, options were limited going into like college or going into the next step because my grades were not good. So I went to this little school called the Academy of Art um, and it was fine. It was fine. I met wonderful people that are still in my life today. And I learned as with any like college, I'm doing air quotations. um, (laughs) Any college experience, you like learn so much about yourself and like if this was the right choice or the right thing to pursue. Um,
0: Did you feel a any sort of obligation or pressure from, you know, us having been like the drama club kids. And I was telling her, I, I don't remember what, you know uh, you were voted as, or was it best, most likely to, you know, be on Broadway or most likely to succeed. I don't remember what the the title was, but did you feel like that pressure of, well, I, I kind of have to, it's expected of me to go and do this thing. Was it partially that and you want to do it? Or like you said, the, you know, the academic side of it as well. Like you said, your options were limited. So I don't know. Did you feel pressure coming out of high school?
2: I think it was, I think it was the three of those things. It was my love for it, which was strong. And then there was the, I don't have a good transcript to take me anywhere else. And then there was, yeah, there was some pressure there, but not in, not like, malicious, but it was, I'm Ryan Vasquez. This is what the world sees me as. And this is like the path that I'm expected to go on.
0: And we've touched on this, this idea of having this artistic identity. You know, you, you come, I'm, I'm, I'm Ryan Vasquez. I'm an actor. I'm a, I'm an artist. You are so early on, you define yourself or you are defined by, you know, your, your experiences. And It's not really, not acceptable maybe isn't the right word, but it's not supported as much to know that that artistic identity can change and evolve and shift and go, okay, this isn't serving me anymore. Not that I don't want it in my life at all, of course, but maybe not in the same capacity it's been. So walk me through how, you know, you you transitioned out of the academic world in San Francisco and now went, okay, I'm gonna pursue this full time. And what did that look like for you?
2: I, when I was in college, I needed a job <laughs> to live. And, um, and I also wanted to stay in San Francisco. And it is, as much as it's romanticized as this creative artist bubble, It is so driven by tech and business and finance and, you know, it's hella expensive and it is hard to um, make a living as an artist here. I don't know how people do it. They do, and I admire them, but I don't have that in me. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I started a little thing called TaskRabbit. Through that, I, you know, I wash dishes after someone's wedding. I waited in line at some like a Michelin star restaurant to get a reservation and then i subbed i was like an office temp and then i temped at this company for like a couple weeks that turned into months and then and then i just kind of fell into it full time i was like an um office manager, like front desk coordinator, executive assistant hodgepodge, mm. and it was paying me good money. And I was able to go visit you in New York with that money.
0: Your, your experience with, as you said, falling into what we call a muggle job or some people call a survival job or a support job or whatever you want to call it,
2: uh, okay.
0: is such a common thing tail. We've both had experienced that too. I'm in that boat right now of, well, I've been, I've been at this company for two years. I know what this is. And w- in the performer world and we're you know in training they tell you like it's not gonna it's not a stable career all right and so there's something really comforting in your mid in your early mid-20s to go oh this is what stability feels like this is what benefits feel like this is what salary you know feels like so i don't know i feel like you have had that experience as well i absolutely have i'm getting ready to go back to a job
1: at like a preschool because of course i have to be able to pay my rent I I feel like there's a stigma with survival jobs. We had someone in college tell us that they had never had to have a survival job. They've always been lucky enough to perform and that's great for them. But the reality is that that's not very common. I I think it needs to be normalized to be a well-rounded human being and Explore other things that make you happy, Mm -hmm. not just going to auditions at 8 a.m. Again, not that that's bad. That's great, but there's so much more to it.
0: But then, what happens when the world ends? eh, This past March, and you go auditioning isn't a thing. Performing isn't a thing. Now your artistic identity has fully shifted. So, how did that affect you when the world was paused?
2: So, I actually, um, I have not set foot on a stage. Or sang a song in front of a human being. Um, in I want to say two or three years before pandemic. Uh, it was like two years before pandemic. Um, I fully shifted into full time. I'm working in HR at a software company. So, the creative and performance side of my being has been missing for a while so in terms of creativity and like that outlet there wasn't much of a shift right because my entire life was waking up at 6 30 commuting to the office working until five or six commuting back home making dinner going to sleep and doing it again
0: mm-hmm.
2: so that so <laughs> I, I, there's a part of me that feels so disconnected from that Ryan and can't believe I even had those experiences or did shows because it's been so long. Um, But anyway, to answer your question, it, um, there wasn't much of of a shift there. Bye.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So now, <laughs> where do you find uh, creative joy? Do you find that HR has creative aspects to it? Oh, <laughs> big head shake. <laughs>
2: um, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> it can absolutely be creative. I think your heart and soul really needs to be in it. And it needs to be what you, at least for me, what you want to do with your life. And it is not. Um, it became a survival. And, a, you know, I love the company and the people I work with, but it's not what I want to do with my life.
1: What do you want to do with your life? Are you still figuring it out? Or do you know? I know. Wrong answer too. <laughs> it's always it's evolving, Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's> exciting.
2: <laughs> and so, like, you know, maybe this will change in the future, but I want to be a middle school or high school Spanish teacher.
1: <gasps> Ooh. What sparked that um that want for you?
2: So growing up, I was always super into language. And my favorite classes were always Spanish. I created these stupid, like fake languages. When I, Do you remember Puiki and Pococs?
0: Sure do. We still call uh, like our friend Lucia, we call her Lucichups. Uh, Lu- still call her. My, our friend Ben, I call him Boone. We Me still, too. Yeah. I learned
1: this from <laughs> <laughs> this language that you started was brought <laughs> into my life in college. I'm so grateful. <laughs> She's fluent.
2: Yeah. I'm fluent. <laughs> <laughs> fluent in Pocops.
0: <poke-ups. laughs> Pocops. That's what it was called. So that originated from you and your brother, like, messing around. With, like, your, you would speak to your dog like that or something, right?
2: That. So so there was another one called Puiki. And that was um, me speaking to my dog because I thought, yeah, there was a hand thing to it, too. <laughs> but, you know, I, it wasn't a full language. It was, like, a modification, like, Pig Latin is a modification of a language, but I, it was so much fun and it was just stupid and silly, but like I made fake worksheets for this language in um, in like middle and high school. And it was, it brought me such joy to like use my mouth to communicate things and play with sound. So So then fast forward to june july of 2020 we are at home and not seeing humans and we have so much reflection time too much reflection time and then um and then there's george floyd and there's Breonna taylor and there's ahmaud arbery and while the like racial injustice was coming to public consciousness, I had this like feeling and these thoughts about, I am not connected with my own culture. My parents are from Nicaragua Um, and I don't speak Spanish enough. I can't hold a full conversation with my grandmother. So, so there was that. And then there was uh, my brother had a baby last year. So. <laughs> You're an uncle. I'm an uncle. Oh. <laughs> so that like brought to mind or like awakened in me, you know, like, oh, my God, our future generations, they're the reason we're doing this. Like, it's not for us. So anyway, all of these things came together. Mm-hmm. The work I was doing am doing is not what I wanted or want. and it became just about that, because we were at home and work was work and that was it. Um, so those things accumulated and I was like, OK, this makes sense. It's something I kind of wanted, like deep within me when I was in you know, ninth, 10th grade. And, and so here we are. And now I'm doing it.
0: Now you're seeing it to fruition. So what does that entail? You're back in school?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm starting over
0: <laughs> because, like the the Academy of Art credits cannot be applied, obviously to a correct teachers. Yeah, teaching degree. Okay, mm-hmm.
2: so I'm um, starting over. I'm at the City College here in San Francisco, um, and I'm going to get my bachelor's in Spanish and then get my teachers' teaching credential. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Is it
0: wild to say? Does it feel like imposter syndrome a little bit uh, getting started going back to school
2: it feels like imposter syndrome but less so than the imposter syndrome i feel in the office
0: ah ah, ah. <laughs> hey what in that be in that you know you're in San Francisco you're doing the you're at a tech startup like you should feel like you're quintessential San Francisco and everyone around you loves what they do. Yeah. It, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's very like um drink the Kool-Aid. And everyone there is so smart too. Like went to all of the Ivy League schools or have like computer science degrees. And I am not that at all. So you have a
0: different, you have a different. A type of intelligence I think you're emotionally very intelligent I think you have a great relations with other people you're able to listen and receive and <laughs> you're having a hard time taking these compliments no but I think you're intelligent in other ways I don't think there's one way to be but I understand that pressure being like I'm not on the same wavelength as, as these people
2: yeah and nor do I want to be I'm sorry mm. it's not my interest
0: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So how long have you been back in school now, a couple, like one semester, half semester?
2: I'm in my second semester and I'm taking like the general, you know, general eds and um, Spanish. And I feel like I'm like actually learning Spanish and able to, um, like build on what I know from my family and it's getting so much easier and so much more fun. Um, That's so
1: exciting. Absolutely. I do want to say this um, about Spanish teachers, which is that I was so excited in high school to take Spanish class. Like I more than more so than any class. And it was going super well for like the first few months. And then my Spanish teacher left on maternity leave. And we had a sub come in who was awful so bad and I didn't come back from that I it was so hard for me to to learn because it was this weird environment of this weird substitute teacher who was always on the defense about being a sub very weird so then (laughs) somehow
0: I imposter syndrome
1: yes (laughs) there it is so then my second year of Spanish. I don't know how I passed the first, truly, I don't know how I passed it, Um, but I did. And I went in to take Spanish too. And the teacher was even worse. She was so focused on discipline that I wasn't able to absorb anything. And I was flunking out, which I hadn't, I mean, it was impossible. And so halfway through the year i had to transfer to another teacher and the only way i passed was because she was super lax and we were all able to like sit next to each other during the test and just talk about it and to this day it makes me it makes me so sad it was something i was so looking forward to and it's something i still would like to pursue and learn spanish where i live up in inwood past washington heights in new york is a very heavy spanish speaking neighborhood and i always feel so guilty and bad that I can't hold a conversation with people when they're asking me directions or something. So all that to say, I am so thrilled for your future students, truly, because (laughs) a good teacher makes worlds of a difference.
2: Absolutely. Has that tainted like, you know, language learning and Spanish learning for you forever?
1: Um, Well, I will say it did play a part in giving me a complex, not just about language learning, but about school in general. And similarly to you, in high school, I had a few teachers who the way they taught didn't gel with the way that I learned and made me go, I'm so done with school. After this, I don't want to go to school. I just want to go. I know what I want to do. I want to perform. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and of course, like no regrets, but there was always this feeling of FOMO, if you will, and guilt for not having gotten a degree. Still to this day, as an adult, I feel that w- weird guilt. Now, of course, that that's not real. Like if I choose to get a degree, I can go back anytime. My mother got her bachelor's and her master's degree while I was in high school and college there is no time limit. Time does not exist. It is not real. And that's what I have to say about that.
0: I think the perfect solution is we're going to do a never been kissed style where Sierra is going to do the Drew Barrymore. She's when you finally get your first classroom, first class, she's going to go back to school, dupe all the students into thinking she's a high schooler, middle school, would even be fun for you. That's a challenge and take a full class with ryan i would love that honestly i would love for you to be my spanish teacher
2: come and join please
0: <laughs> with the pink fur you know the fur thing yeah she, wears she has the, the sharp blonde. yeah and the, the lipstick <laughs> have you seen that movie or is that a white girl movie that, that... it's
2: not a white girl movie but no i have not seen it. okay <laughs> okay <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry that Spanish was like that for you, though.
1: Yeah, it's okay. It is what it is. You it know,
2: could but. be so much fun. And it could be so easy, too. Yeah. I
1: yeah. enjoyed it the first few months. And I was really getting the hang of it. I learned this song. <laughs> and I loved it. And now I feel very confident. Comp- that's like the only Spanish I feel comfortable speaking is because I know it. Because I learned that song. So when that song comes on, Oh My Confidence Peaks.
2: Pop off. It's
0: in your book. It's in my book. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wasn't there a Spanish teacher at Laguna? I don't remember her name, but the class was so unruly. Or maybe it was another sub situation. The class was so unruly, they threw a carrot at her. Or is that something you're scared about? Wait, what? Yeah, it was either a sub or... The teacher herself in the class was, you we were paying attention. I just remember they threw a carrot, like a full carrot that's at Sure, yeah.
2: A, it's not even Thanks. a baby carrot. No, it's,
0: it's like, a, <laughs> like a full. <laughs> a Bugs Bunny. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was trying
2: to do. You know, the principal, the middle school principal in Lizzie McGuire movie with the uh, headset and the like speaker.
1: Uh, Alex that... Borstein.
2: Yeah that teacher had that that Spanish <gasps> teacher
0: she did because she had nodes I think oh, and no. or something right she had some thing oh. and so that was <laughs> it's okay <laughs> like, no, but sorry. we didn't know what that I don't think at that time like knew we were just like all right lady <laughs> you're doing the most yeah <laughs> <laughs> will you get one of those you think I will not okay <laughs> Well, I think we're going to take just a quick little break. Y'all join us as we uh, keep storming our guest brains. And I think we're going to try to predict his future.
1: Tap into my psychic abilities.
0: <laughs> so uh, we'll be right back. And we are back, back from a lovely little break. What a break it was. So
1: Ryan, right now we're moving into a segment we like to call Mashmaker, where we play the game mash mash maker did you ever play mash
2: duh (laughs) okay right so
0: so um it it ties back into that idea of like i am an actor i will be this you set all of these like timelines and and markers for yourself at such a young age if i'm gonna have this many kids by this age and it's gonna look my life is going to look a certain way and as we've all found in our 20s that is not the case it evolves and it shifts and it changes so
1: yeah so we're gonna just play mash to uh to bring a little levity as we've said to bring a little fun to these expectations that we've set upon ourselves um just to spite them so (laughs) if you don't remember MASH stands for mansion, apartment, shack, and house, which is the first category. There are four more categories, which is partner, um, number of children, career, and mode of transportation. We're going to go through and I'm going to have you give me give me options for each of these categories. For partner, I only have... Um, For partner, I only need three options. But first, what I'm going to do, I'm going to draw a spiral. And you're going to tell me when to stop, okay? And I'm drawing.
2: And stop.
1: Okay, so now I draw a line through.
0: Sierra's our resident mash maker. She is the, the, the MC of Make and mash.
1: So I came up with a magic number, which I will not disclose to you until after you've given me your options. So for partner, I want you to choose three... People, probably celebrities, unless you want to bring in real life people, that's fine. Um, Nope, he's shaking his head no. Okay, go ahead, three, and I have a fourth for this
2: one. Three celebrities. Do they have, no, it's a game. Um...
0: (laughs) (laughs) You shot down your own question question. so quickly. All
2: right, we've got.
0: (sighs) You want to spend your life with. Life
1: partner.
2: Okay, I'm so sorry to go this, like, come on, but I'm going to. Do it. Tina Fey. (gasps) Love it. Amy Poehler and Michaela Cole of
0: Of, uh, I May
2: Destroy You fame. Um, And
0: Chewing Gum, was that her first? Yeah. That's
2: right. These are three women that we watched over the pandemic. You know, 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, and, and I May Destroy You And I'm in love with all of them.
1: Well, I have a fourth one and that's Harvey Milk. (laughs) (laughs) Why that's funny to us is because Ryan and I met on Harvey Milk Day. I had heard about him from Shannon when we met in college. He was her, her best friend from back home. It was scary, but Harvey Milk Day brought us together. So I had to include Harvey Milk.
2: It's so, special to us.
1: It's very special. Um, great. So we have, again, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Michaela Cole, and Harvey Milk are your four options for partner. Now we're going to move on to number of children. Give me four options for that.
2: 5, 11, 52, and
0: 99. 5, <laughs> 11, 52, 99. Those are also his That's a, his social security
2: Do <laughs> you want my... If you want my uh credit score, you can have it.
1: I don't <laughs> Same. Okay, now I need four options for a career for you.
2: We've got Prime Minister of Libya. Ooh. We've got um pet groomer. Ooh. We've got hand model. <laughs> That's There's really
1: a- lucrative.
2: <laughs> it really is. <laughs> And the fourth one would be, I'm looking around my room for inspiration.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I'll go novelist.
0: A novelist?
2: Yeah. I kind of actually like that a lot.
0: He can't stop mm-hmm. looking at the book. <laughs> 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 actually. He fully changes career <laughs> path.
1: You could <laughs> do all of it if you want. Um, And so this final one is mode of transportation, and I'm going to have you give three, and Shannon, you can choose a fourth for this one. She's really good at choosing modes of transportation. I have it.
2: Okay. Canoe. Heelys.
1: (gasps) Okay. One more.
2: One more. Canoe. uh, uh, Monorail.
1: Monorail. Like at Disneyland.
2: Like at Disneyland. Shannon?
0: Your fourth option will be... I will be your personal chauffeur in the car I drove us around in high school. Aww.
2: The Honda Civic? Were you in,
0: yeah. Were you, or er, Toyota? Corolla. <laughs> Corolla, but close. Similar. So Sierra is now in the process of determining your fate uh, at this moment, your future. So she is counting down. Now, when you played this, were you playing, like, in elementary school, at sleepovers? Did you play it? When did you play this game? Do you remember?
2: I think all of it. All yeah, of it. Yeah. I think elementary school. I think Yeah, it's just such a fun, dumb, silly, fun thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If it like it held so much weight though. I feel like it was really like when you did it sleepovers, it was very much like, uh oh, you don't want to end up with you know, like people would like judge you for your answers. It's like, wait, no, it's fake. It's fucking fake.
2: <laughs> it's a game. <laughs> Do you remember like people would get so mad if they got, you know, garbage truck for Motive train or like um, dumpster person, <laughs> sorry.
0: Dumpster person, Groucho, or no, is that
2: his name? From <laughs> Oscar Street. the Grouch. yeah,
0: a Groucho. Yeah, <laughs> Groucho. Yeah, Oscar the Groucho.
2: But like, come on, you guys. These are valid careers and valid things, you know? Come
0: on, you guys, <laughs> you would say. I remember you saying that a lot in elementary school. Come on, you guys.
2: These are valid. <laughs>
0: The results are coming in. The
1: results are coming in. The results are in. They're in.
2: I'm nervous. Let's go. Ryan, this is your future.
1: You will live in a shack with your partner, Harvey Milk. You will have five children. You will be a novelist. And you will be chauffeured around by Shannon in her silver Toyota Corolla from high school
0: driving around your five children
2: (laughs) with harvey milk r.i.p
0: yeah this was really
2: perfect honestly this is that is the dream situation besides the shack
0: yeah maybe it's a love shack
2: love shack baby love shack
0: Thank you for playing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> this
2: I is so fun.
0: I think we're gonna take one more little baby break. Yeah, bye.
1: Bye Ryan, are there any creative endeavors you'd like to share? a song, a poem, a passage from a book or or a video, um, something that has resonated with you lately that you'd like to share with us?
2: So I had a really hard time with this question, with this prompt. And part of me was like, "Um, this this is my chance. Like I'm gonna show these listeners how cool and edgy and cultured I am. And then I was like, that is so not me or authentic. I'm not cool like that. (laughs) And so I decided to go with the album that has gotten me through the past year. <clears throat> I uh, <laughs> should we just play the whole entire album? The
0: whole album <laughs> with commentary by you throughout the whole thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but the album is about, you know, nine months old. It came out last summer, um, and it is Jesse Ware's "What's Your Pleasure."
1: What about that has resonated with you?
2: So it is a very disco influenced like adult contemporary pop album. Um, so it's both really lush and like emotional as disco can be. Um, yeah, it's just and and the even like the instrumentation is just so otherworldly, you know, and it's not something that we get to hear in mainstream pop or mainstream music today. Um, So it's both, one, it reminds me of my mom so much. My mom is like Donna Summer's (laughs) number one fan. (laughs) Um, And so there's a lot of that influence in there. and then there's there's some like, Pet Shop Boys Depeche Mode influence as well, and that is my father. So it is just so familiar and comfortable to me. But it came out last year.
0: How many times a week do you listen to it?
2: Uh, uh, <laughs> it if I'm listening to music, it is that. I, I'm not kidding you. Uh, so I can't tell you. Thank many.
1: You. <laughs> I. Th- I've really, I've, I've found as an adult that the music my parents used to play when I was a kid, which maybe as a kid, probably I would, I wasn't necessarily keen on. um, Now as an adult, I love, and I think it, it has a lot to do with that sort of comfort. You know, I put on like gordon lightfoot or like james taylor and i'm immediately taken back to saturdays at the house i grew up in my mom is cleaning my dad is grilling steak there are candles lit we have chips and queso and my parents are drinking malibu and coke it's (sighs) music is so powerful you guys it transports you Mm
0: especially in the pandemic and not being able to see your parents as much. And, you know, all, all of us are, are very close to our parents and yeah, absolutely. I'm the same way with Kenny Loggins, Elton John. Mm-hmm. It takes you right there. Yeah. I'm so glad mm-hmm. you found that and have that.
2: It's yeah. Cra- yeah. Just crazy nostalgia and also escapism because like your uh, disco as emotional as it is, it's also uh, you're like constantly bopping the whole time it's like damn
1: there's this um there's this woman i follow on instagram who is a therapist psychologist she posts these amazing videos i can't remember her name at all she's great though <laughs> but she posts <laughs> these amazing videos where she will have dance parties and she talks about how just giving yourself if you're feeling really down having a really bad depression day or what, whatever. If you just put on a song and just, it's like intuitive movement and just dancing, not, you know, that's that phrase dance, like no one's watching, which is so cheesy. It was like on everyone's MySpace, but that is real. It will make you feel better just to intuitively move your body to something that makes you feel good.
0: Well, Ryan, where can our listeners find you? Are you on social media or not? Nah, or how's your relationship with social media been during the pandemic?
2: I am a uh, viewer and a scroller, but mm-hmm. I am not a poster uh, <laughs> at all. So I wish I could, I, I can share my handle, but the, the last thing was like a year, two years ago. Sure.
0: Well, mm-hmm. hey, thanks for sharing hanging out with us and letting us storm your brain
2: thank you for having me it was so great to see your faces
0: yours too you're a joy you sure are
2: and thank you for listening truly i hope you
0: feel yes i hope you feel i don't know lighter i don't know
2: i feel therapized in a way (gasps) honestly
0: that's good
1: we're not we're not legal therapists but uh
2: Wink, wink.
0: <laughs> but we'll still send you a Venmo request, yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> for five hundred dollars.
2: Oh, wow. Kaiser. But,
1: nope. <laughs> cash only. <laughs> Cold hard cash. We'll send you the Venmo request. You have to mail us cash.
2: Hey, good. <laughs> <laughs> and we won't
0: air this until we get this is a ransom situation for our podcast Mm -hmm. guests until you send us the money you this won't be aired
2: okay well (laughs) it was great
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a wrap that's it Thank you to our guests for answering the question, what's been storming your brain? A big old thank
1: you to our technical producer, Tim Fuchs, for our funky theme song with Chris Agar on bass and Louis DiNuzzi on trombone. Thank you to Ellie Stovall-Brown for our rock and cover art,
0: and to all you listeners for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next time for a few more ha ha's and a lot less wah-wahs. And follow us on Instagram at brainstormingthepodcast. Bye, bye, boys. Have fun. Storm in the brain.